Money FM 89.3, the best of the breakfast huddle. Going to turn our attention now to headlines out of the European region. The UK announcing a new prime minister this week with Liz Truss. Russia cutting off gas supplies to Europe indefinitely. Ukraine's prime minister Denis Shamhal urging the EU to stand firm against Russia. Quite a few things to get through. And helping me out this morning is Chris Humphrey, executive director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Elliot. How are you? Very good, sir. It's been a long time, and welcome. You're the first guest on this brand new segment that we've started. Still figuring out the name. What do you think if we call it Eurovision? <laughs> <laughs> it conjures up visions of uh, very bad pop songs from the 1980s. <laughs> and Will Ferrell as well. Uh, okay, never mind. <laughs> Maybe not then. <laughs> Chris, uh, we're going to talk about the new UK Prime Minister, Liz Truss. Uh, she takes over from Boris Johnson. And it's a time where, you know, the economy is in peril. Inflation is bad. What are your thoughts on her winning the PM race? Was it a surprise to you? Actually, frankly, no, it wasn't a surprise to me. I, I know that when it was the parliamentary vote, uh, she came a distant second to Rishi Sunak, but she was always very, very popular with the, uh, the, the average conservative member mm-hmm. um, out, out in the provinces, if you like. So I think the bookies had her down as a firm favourite from the get-go. It wasn't really a surprise for anybody. Um, I think actually many people thought she might win by more than she did. Okay. The, the whole idea of her wanting to, you know, she, she, she talked about cutting taxes, doing everything she can to fight inflation, even proposing aid for, for regular Brits. Do you think those were the factors that, that helped her win this race to become PM? Well, I think it was George Bush who said it's the economy stupid when he was campaigning. And I think a lot of that came down to it amongst the Tory voters that were electing her in this time. She came out and she said, I'm not going to raise taxes. I am going to help you out with your energy bills, which are mm-hmm. going to go through the roof. And I think people voted with their wallets, essentially. Rishi Sunak was taking a much more fiscally prudent position yeah. Yeah. and then saying, no, all this is unaffordable and all it'll do is cause more inflation. What she's done, actually, she's come out with a series of ideas which, honestly, aren't particularly normal conservative policies. They're much more socialist-type policies, but she's being very populist. Mm. Yeah, because there's, well, it essentially leads back to, to borrowing money as far as helping uh, or providing this uh, support packages are concerned. What do you think her, her approach will be as far as EU relations are concerned moving forward? Well, you know, she started off as a, as a Remainer during the Brexit campaign. I was going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> she's moved through the political spectrum, so she's a particularly savvy politician in yeah. that respect. I don't think we're going to see a huge change from the positions that we saw with Boris Johnson being okay. the Prime Minister. I think the EU side are probably quite fearsome about what she's going to do next, particularly on the Northern Ireland Protocol. Mm. I don't see a, a huge thawing of relations with the EU on, on the trade issues. But where there is alignment on things like the war, war in Ukraine, they will be quite close. Yeah. Okay. So more or less 80, 90% status quo. And really, yes. we, don't, we, we don't need another Brexit U-turn or something like that. To no, no, no. <laughs> no, no chance of that. Uh, but what about relations with, with Asia, where her leadership is concerned? Well, I actually would expect the UK to continue its uh, cozying up to Asia. That was happening anyway. When she was the International Trade Secretary, she spent a lot of time out here. Mm. She instructed her officials to chase trade deals with with Asia in the broader sense. And I think that will continue. Uh, If you look at Europe as a whole, they need to diversify on their supply chains. They need to be doing a lot more with parts of the world that's also growth, and that really is Asia, and particularly here in Southeast Asia. And I think the UK will follow the same sort of uh, lead on that. 
Mm. I expect them to try and do a lot more. They will try and finalize trade deals more with the region, and they're going to look to join CPTPP. Okay, uh, so, but then there has to be some kind of a balancing act, and, and maybe I'm speculation or, or I'm, I'm, I'm reaching too deep here. Um, this notion of perhaps more of a, a made in the UK type of sentiment as far as businesses are concerned, is it possible? <laughs> we see this sentiment everywhere in the world at the moment. Everyone wants a made in their country. Yeah, yeah. To, that's, that's what I was trade. thinking, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you, you end up with sort of schizophrenic policy. Right? <laughs> we, want, we want you to make stuff in our country, but we want to export our stuff to other countries. And well, you know, <laughs> she was complaining about how the UK imports two-thirds of cheese, so I thought, okay, what are you going to do there? <laughs> Make more cheese, make better cheese, <laughs> make different cheeses. Uh, I think everyone everyone wants to become a bit more self-sufficient as sure. much as they can, but no country can be 100% self-sufficient. Nothing wrong with saying we want to make more stuff in our own country to sell yeah. to ourselves, but everyone needs international trade. And the UK itself has always been a great trading nation. I don't really see that changing. Can you imagine English cheese? I certainly can't. Uh, Chris, let's... Oh, <laughs> cheddar. Cheddar. Stilton. Okay. Wednesday Come on. I'm sorry so about that. <laughs> let's, let's move on to Russia. Uh, and the big one this week was they cut off gas supplies. Uh, this is the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. Um, the EU is set to hold an emergency meeting on the energy situation, I, I believe, tomorrow. What can we expect from this meeting? Well, Europe's got themselves in a little pickle. Put all your eggs in one basket. You're asking for trouble, and unfortunately, that's what they basically did. Mm. Uh, what can we expect from the meeting? I think uh, very similar to what Ms. Truss has been saying in the UK. Probably some help with energy bills mm-hmm. going forward for countries. More solidarity amongst the EU nations about how they're going to share around what energy supplies they've got. Uh, an increased push for diversification in their supply chains for, for energy. So I think, unfortunately, this goes against what Europe is doing on sustainability issues. But short term, maybe the refiring up of some coal-fired power stations to try and fill the gap, looking for other sources of supply. So LNG coming in from the Middle East, for instance, um, maybe trying to accelerate work on renewables. But, you know, all these things take time. And they've got got a plug, uh, sorry, a big gap to plug on their energy supplies coming into the winter. Mm. But I, I think they're going to use every lever they can to try and do that. Mm. Germany already proposing to refire up those uh, nuclear plants in the southern side of the country. So I guess it might be a step back for sustainability before we can move forward again. I think you're right. I think that's the way they're going to have to work. They've got, they've got to get through this winter and then get themselves reorientated on, on their energy supply. So you've even got Germany at the moment going to be buying coal from Indonesia to help fire up some coal fire power stations. Mm. Uh, Ukraine's Prime Minister Denis Shmahal has urged the EU to stand firm against Russia energy blackmail, uh, even appealing for more weapons, including aircraft. Uh, so I guess this is a tricky one. Firstly, where does the EU stand at the moment when it comes to this conflict? And then there's the issue of we're waiting to see what Liz Truss would, or where she would stand or what she would say with regard to this. What are your thoughts? I think Europe will stand firm with Ukraine. I don't mm-hmm. see any change in that. They've been standing firm throughout. They've been providing monetary help. They've been mm. providing weapons help. So has the UK uh, and indeed America. And I don't see any of that changing. I don't think that coalition of support for Ukraine is going to get any weaker. Now, we have to wait and see when you're in the, the depths of a dark winter in next January and it's snowing hard and the, the heating's not working as well as you'd like, then things may say to start to crack. But I, at the moment... Europe will stay strong. They will provide as much help as they can uh, in both in terms of weapons and in cash and in terms of helping Ukraine get their products out of Ukraine as well. I know a lot of work's going on 
on that side of life, helping Ukraine get grain yeah. out, get steel out, etc. I mean, I've looked at the situation. Nobody is winning. I mean, you're part of EU ASEAN Business Council. Businesses are suffering because of supply chain issues. You've got the energy crisis. You've got inflation. The US is sending help, but it's not like they're in the fantastic position. And, and Russia's economy, as a result of all these sanctions, have been incredibly damaged. Uh, impossible question. I mean... What can happen next? What's being speculated? Does the EU have to be more vocal in January once it gets too cold? <laughs> you decide it is an impossible question, Chris. It is an impossible one. <laughs> it is an impossible question. I was, I was in Indonesia last week and we had meetings there with the government and many of the ministers we met were also talking about the same thing you just said. It's a fearful situation. We're facing uh, supply chain crunches right around the world, uh, particularly on food and energy issues. We're seeing inflation around the world. Um, We're seeing, you know, economic growth beginning to taper off as a result of those two issues as well. There is no end in sight to the war in Ukraine. I mean, the Ukrainians could be making some advances, but I think unless one side says, "Okay, enough's enough, let's just stop where we are, which isn't about to happen, that war is probably going to rumble on for some time yet. And I think all the issues that then flow from that, like food issues, the energy issues, etc., and this sort of geopolitical tensions that are coming from it around the world as well, they're not about to go away. I think we're in for a, a pretty rocky ride for the next 12 months or so globally. Gosh. I've been speaking with Chris Humphrey, Executive Director, EU ASEAN Business Council. Chris, appreciate your time this morning. Take care. Have a great day ahead. My pleasure. Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.